Well, we're in a series called Bold. How many enjoyed this sermon last week from Pastor Jared? I've been telling him he's just getting better and better. Amen? Um, We learned last week that we need to make bold declarations. We need to have some bold vision. And we need to pray some bold prayers. In a moment, I would love for you guys to stand with me to your feet, if you could. All of those who are able, all you guys can stand with me. And um, we're going to welcome all those that are watching us online. We thank you guys for joining us. We have Los Angeles, Oregon, Indiana. We welcome you guys. We love you. Come on, aren't you thankful for our church family online? Well, we're going to read our theme verse in just a moment. This is Proverbs 28.1. This is our theme verse for bold. Here we go. Let's read it together. The godly are as bold as lions. Let's read it one more time. Bold. Here we go. The godly are as bold as lions. God is calling us to be bold. The Bible says that the godly are bold. Come on, who wants to be godly? Who wants to be bold? God, I want to be bold. I want to be godly. This year, 2019, man, I really believe that God has something big for you. God has something bold for you. I'm believing this is going to be the best year for your family. This is going to be the best year for your finances. This is going to be the best year for Higher Vision Church. Come on, let's believe this year God's going to do some big and bold things. Amen. If you would, let's just close our eyes and pray for a moment. God, we thank you today. Lord, we come into your house. Lord, today is all about you. It's all about you, not about us, God. It's about exalting your name, Jesus. God, do what I can't do today. God, speak to this broken vessel and fall on hearts today. God, move in this place. Lord, we love you. We welcome you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may take a seat. You may take a seat. I'm going to read to you in a moment Nehemiah's prayer. We learned last week about this prayer and how we can pray bold prayers just like this. Nehemiah 1.11. Let's look at this scripture real quick. Oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. And those days I was the king's cupbearer. If you weren't here last week, we learned that Nehemiah was his journal. It was Nehemiah's journal of his life when he left from Persia and went to Jerusalem to build the walls of his ancestors. It was a journal. It was his secret diary. And we know this is a bold prayer. The reason we know this is because we know he's a bold guy. He was the king's cupbearer. The king's cupbearer, his entire job was to taste the king's drink before it went to the king's table. Now, some of you are thinking, that's a good job. Where could I sign up for a job like that? Well, here's the reason why it was a little bit dangerous and it was pretty bold. If the cup was ever poisoned, there was a chance he might die. So he went into work every day, putting his life on the line. Come on, it sounds like HV Kids Ministry, somebody. (laughs) I'm kidding. We love your kids. You have the best kids in the world. But um, he put his job on the line every day. He was a bold guy. We learned a little bit last week about bold prayers, that bold prayers believe in what God believes, believe in, believe in a big God. I'm trying to remember from my dad. Bold prayers are persistent, and bold players, prayers care about what God cares about. I got you, Dad. All three of them. I love you. He's probably watching online right now. We learned about bold prayers. We know that Nehemiah was the most trusted man in the whole kingdom. He was the most trusted man in all of the area. He was second to the king. So for him to go to the king 
and say, King, I want to leave for 12 years to go build a wall was pretty bold. God is calling us to make bold prayers. Higher Vision Church, we're founded on the verse, and we believe that God can do exceedingly, abundantly above what we could ask or think. God is a next level God, and he's looking for some of us, come on, to pray some bold prayers. I'm excited to to step in and, and share with you today and continue on the idea of bold prayers. I have a theme line. If you walk away today with anything, I want you to remember this. Here we go. Bold prayers require spiritual battle. Bold prayers require spiritual battle. We know that God opened up the door for Nehemiah as we continue to read. He opened up the door. He continues to go on his plan with God and he opens up the door where he can have all the finances that he needs to rebuild the wall and he's so blessed. But the moment he gets to Jerusalem, the moment he gets to where God is calling him to, the enemy attacks. The enemy attacked him the moment he got there. I wanna read a scripture with you guys real quick. Sambalat was very angry when he learned that they were rebuilding the wall. Sambalat is a weird name. Come on, how many of you guys know that millennials are, are naming their kids some weird stuff? I, I looked up online, someone named their son Felony. That's a weird name. Sambalat is a weird name. Sambalat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews saying, what does this bunch of poor feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they think they actually can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charge ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing behind him, remarked, that stone would collapse even if a fox walked along top of it. We know that the moment that Nehemiah prays a prayer that's connected to God's purpose, the enemy attacks. The moment you begin to pray prayers that are connected to God's heart, I really think the enemy may want to fight. When you begin to pray bold things and believe for bold things, it's not going to be a surprise that the enemy may come against you and you may find yourself in a spiritual battle. But here's what you got to remember. People aren't the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. People aren't the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. I want to read Ephesians 6.12. It speaks to this. For we are not fighting against flesh, flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So Tobiah and Sambalat, it's a weird name, come up against Nehemiah, but really, it's the enemy. Satan doesn't want God's people to come back to Jerusalem. He doesn't want them to thrive and to prosper, and Satan doesn't want you to thrive and to prosper. He doesn't want you to succeed. So My question is, what does Nehemiah do to stand against the enemy? How does he fight the spiritual battle? What do we do when we're in the heat of battle and the enemy's coming up against us and we're believing for some bold things? I believe there's four points that Nehemiah gives us through this passage. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, write this down. Here we go. Pray first. Come on, someone turn to your neighbor and say, pray first. Someone turn to your second choice and say, pray first. (laughs) Pray first. You got to, I'm sorry, I had to do it. You got to pray. You got to pray first. I want to read this scripture real quick that shows 
that Nehemiah is doing this. Then I prayed, here is our God, right after they mock him, right after they ridicule him, then I prayed, hear us our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. We need to know that we need to pray first, amen? Man, I remember high school like it was yesterday. It was yesterday for me. Class of 2016, VHS, we got any Viking Nation in the house? Come on, somebody. VNAT. I know JL. She's out there somewhere. She went to uh, Valencia High School as well. Viking Nation. Like, I'm that guy who's still, like, talking about high school at, like, 45. You guys know that guy? He's like, I was, like, the second string quarterback in high school. It's like, whatever. We don't need to talk about it. Like, I was dating, like, the hottest girl in school. It's like, we, we really don't need to talk about it. It's not a big deal, but whatever. High school was good. High school was fun. I remember that God was doing some pretty cool stuff. To set the scene of the story I'm about to tell, we're about three weeks in to our new Bible study. We had just started the first week. Um, I preached and I had a mullet on. I had cut my hair and I was preaching with a mullet. Come on, how many of you guys know about the mullet? Come on, check it out. Look, that's a glorious mullet. We need to bring the mullet back. That alone was getting people saved. Come on. (laughs) But we got to bring back the mullet. Um, We all know it's uh, about the business in the front, party in the back. I want to show a picture. Before you show, I'm going to preface this. You know, I love my dad, and he's a great man, but he had a mullet back in high school as well. And I really think as a church body, it's important for us to see this picture. Here we go. I'm sorry, Dad. I had to do it. I had to do it. Come on, let's just get one more glorious picture of that. Look at that man. That's your pastor, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Jared. That's the man right there. He hooked my mom with a mullet. So you know he had a great personality. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's beautiful. I love Dad. You're a handsome man. And he has cool style. He's got it all. So he's a secure guy. We're we're good about that. But high school. I remember it was our third weekend, and we walk into the gymnasium where we're supposed to meet um, for, our, for our meeting, and there's only so many places we can go um, to meet. And so we get there, and we realize we can't have service there. Now we're freaking out because we had built momentum weeks before. This was a kind of pivotal week for us and our team. And so we're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? It's hot outside. We can't go outside. And then I was like, well, let's just cancel it and wait for people to walk in, and we can just tell them that we're not going to be there. I'm like, I don't know. And so I just said, come on, let's pray first. Let's pray first. And so we grab hands, we start praying together, we cry out to God, God, we need you. And all of a sudden, this freshman bursts through the the gym room and he's like, guys, we can still have our Bible study. Let's do it in the hallway. So I'm like, I mean, let's try it. So we grab our chairs, we we pull them as many as we can, just sticking it in that hallway. I mean, look at it. It was crazy. We got people all up in there and On a day that we almost canceled the service, almost 40 people showed up, all because we prayed first. We began to sing and praise God in the hallway of Valencia High School, and the name of Jesus was lifted up on a public campus. People began to walk by and stop and sit down and look in amazement, what's going on? We began to minister to those that were around us, and six people got saved that day. All because 
we prayed first. We need to know to pray first. Nehemiah knew how to pray first. When the enemy came against him, he didn't argue. He didn't go on Facebook and, and write a response so that everyone could see what he had to say. No, 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 no. Nehemiah prayed first. Before he went to the king, he fasted for months. He fasted and believed for months. God, please, I need your help. God, before I go to the king, I need you to anoint me. And then when he, he's there in front of the king, the moment of all moments, he's standing there, the king's right there. And the king says, what do you need? He stops for a moment and prays, God, give me favor. He prayed first. High Vision Church, I wonder what our lives would look like if we prayed first. I really wonder what your relationships with your parents or with your wife or with your siblings would look like if before you said something, you prayed first. Man, I wonder what your financial statement would look like if before you made a really big decision financially, you prayed first and asked God what he had to say about it. I believe there's an important principle of praying first. We need to come to God no matter what's going on. Wake up in the morning, God, what do you have for me today? What have you called for me today? God, before the day starts, I know that you have called me for this day. So who am I supposed to talk to? What am I supposed to do? God, before anything, I'm going to pray first. But what we do is we act first and pray God bail us out. We, we act first and then we get in a situation that's a little bit sticky and we're there, we're frustrated. God, how could you abandon me? <sighs> God, I, I can't believe you let this happen to me. I, God, I, I, I thought you were a good God. How could you let something like this? I, I'm in debt. Now. God, I can't believe that you let this happen to me. We act first, pray for God to bail us out. And there's something I want us to remember today. It's this phrase. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. When the enemy's coming at you, when the world's coming against you, we don't need to at the last moment go, God, I need you right now. We need to stop and say, God, before the enemy gets in my head, I'll pray first. God, I want your will in my life. Lord, I know who you've called me to be. God, I know what you have for me. Lord, before anything happens, I'm going to pray first. <clears throat> we need to know how to pray first. Come on, somebody say pray first. Pray when we're in a spiritual battle, we need to pray first. But secondly, not only do we need to pray first, but we need to tune out the voices. We need to tune out the voices. How many of you guys have seen uh, Braveheart and Gladiator? All you not entertained. Come on, somebody. I love those movies. We just watched those with our small group, our sports circle. I love, after those movies, don't you just want to go just fight or wrestle or do something just manly, right? I love those movies so much. But how many of you know, how many of you know that when the enemy is trying to taunt his opponent, he will shout and have a war cry? He will try to intimidate. Remember, this is what Goliath does. You are the worst of the worst. I can beat you. Bring your best. I will beat you. And he just taunts them. And here they are, the children of God. They're afraid. But there's one man who knows how to tune out the voices. And his name is David. He knows how to tune out the voices of the enemy. And I, what I love about Nehemiah is he understands how to tune out the voices of the enemy. He doesn't let their words stop him. He doesn't let their, their words prevent him from his promise that God has called him to build the wall. He stands strong. When the enemy's coming against his head, he says, you know what? 
I know what God has called me to do. A couple of the lies that the enemy told him, he may tell you, and I wanna highlight them real quick so that when the enemy comes, we know how to respond, amen? The first thing the enemy may say to you is, like he said to them, what are these feeble Jews, what do they think they're doing? What do you think you're doing? You're, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough. You know your family line, you know where you've come from. You know your history, it, you're never gonna be able to do that because you're not good enough. Another thing the enemy may say is this, what he said to Nehemiah was, you only have a few sacrifices. How do you think you'll be able to build the wall? Yeah, you give every month, but really it's not making that big of a difference. Yeah, I know you're supposed to tithe, but God, God may not provide this month and it's scary and, and the enemy will come at you to try to come in your mind, to come against you. Another thing the enemy says is this. He says to him, a fox may walk along the top of your wall and it may just crumble. What I perceive that is, is it's not worth it. It's not worth it to try to build this wall. It's not worth it to try to get your life back together. Even though you've been clean for two weeks, it's, it's only a matter of time before you fall again. You'll never break this addiction habit. You'll never, it's just not worth it. And we hear these lies from the enemy, don't we? We all do at times. The enemy comes in our voice, but I love what Nehemiah says. I love the way he responds. He reminds himself of the promise of God, and he speaks the word of God. And I want to read that real quick. Then I prayed, hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. When the enemy comes up against you, when he's coming and talking against you, telling who, who you think you are, come on, we got to remind ourselves of the promise of God. We got to remind ourselves of the word of God. I think about the story of Ride for Freedom, as some of you guys know. We rode our bikes across the country, and Higher Vision was a big part of that. We raised money to set people free from sex trafficking. But I remember before it even started, that the enemy was in my mind. You'll never raise the money. You'll, you'll never have the finances to do this. You always start something and stop it. It's just going to be like last time. You'll never actually follow through. And if you actually do it, you'll never have enough money to set people free. It will just be you riding a bike across the country and nothing. And I just remembered these, these lies of the enemy bombarding my head and I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And one day we were trying to fundraise right outside of Edwards Movie Theater. We were waving signs. Some of you guys saw us driving by and we had a big group there. And I just prayed to God. I said this, God, I feel so alone and I really need you to show that you can help me that you're in this because I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if we'll have the finances, let alone the charisma to even get out there and ride our bikes. And that day, as we're raising and waving our signs, someone pulls into the parking lot, walks up to us and says, can I give to your cause? And they, we said, of course, we would love to. They said, how does $1,000 sound? On the side of the road. And I began to realize, God, I thank you that you've called me for this. Lord, you, you provided me, he reminded me the promise that I was called to do this. And I remember, again, the enemy came at us the first day we were riding. The first day we were out there, our butts were sore. We sit down 30 miles in, crying like little babies. I'm like, God, there's, there's just no way we can do this. 3,100 miles, there's no way we can make it across. The enemy is like, you can't do this. You don't even like riding your bike at the gym. There's no way you can ride your bike across the country. And I just heard the, the lies of the enemy continue to come in my head, but 
there was a moment when I realized that God had called me for this. God had anointed me for this. And I, I reminded myself, we grabbed hands and said, you know what? We are here for such a time as this. God has called us for this. He, he put it in our hearts. He didn't put it in someone else's. He put it in my heart for this moment. And I just reminded myself of the promises of God. I'm telling you, when the enemy comes up against you, when he's pushing against and giving you opposition, when he's lying in your head, I'm telling you what you have to do is remind yourself of the promise of God. Come on, somebody say amen. God is for you. He's for you. Don't let the enemy bring you down. Come on. The moment he comes into your head, just stop it and say, I know who I am. I'm a child of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, I know who I am. I'm a child of God. I know you've called me. I'm not going to let the enemy do anything to me because I know where you've called me. We got to pray first. We got to tune out the voices. And third, we got to join the army. We gotta, I'm not telling you you need to list in the army, okay? But we are thankful for our veterans in the house. We're so thankful that you serve. I, I'm just like, I love this country. Anyone else like just bleed red, white, and blue? I got like almost in an argument the other day with somebody. I'm like, no, 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 no. America is the best country in the world. I don't know how you could think anything otherwise. I just love America. But we need to join the army. Amen? Let's look at this verse real quick. But when Sanblat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites, and Ashdodites heard the work was going ahead, they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. We got a lot of scriptures here, so I'm gonna try to pound through them. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. From then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and a coat of mail. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. Then I explained, when you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounding. They all came together when they were building the wall. When you're facing a spiritual battle, when you're believing for some bold things, I want to encourage you today, get in a circle. Get in the foxhole with somebody. There's power when we unify together as the body of Christ. You have no idea how strong and how important it is to be with somebody in the middle of a crisis. What I love is Nehemiah says here, everyone, come on, let's come together. All the nobles and all of the rest of the people. He says, I don't want just the soldiers. I want everyone to be a part of this fight. I want everyone to be part of rebuilding the wall. I want everyone in this because there's power in numbers. The Bible says that one can chase a thousand, but two can chase 10,000. There's power when we come together, amen? What I love here is it's such a cool story because Nehemiah says the moment that we unify, and the moment that there's that connection, the moment that we have that unity and, and we're together, that very moment then God will fight for us. Come on, how good is that? The moment we come together, then God will fight for us. He understands the victory is in unity. The victory is when we come together. I remember our sports circle. God has been doing some awesome things, and I would encourage you, if you aren't in a circle, get in a circle. We have over 108 circles. Come on, how awesome is that? Over 108. Man, we're just popping out circles like you wouldn't believe, but... It's amazing to see what God is doing. 
I remember the first day of our circle, we started it, and all the guys in our circle just began to open up. And there was this one specific guy, he, he shared his, his story. He said, guys, I just have anxiety. I have a lot of anxiety, and every night before I fall asleep, I just, I can't sleep because I'm so anxious, and so I've been smoking weed every night before I go to bed because I just can't sleep. It's not because I, I like it. I just, I, I'm so anxious. And so we begin to pray for him, and we get a message a couple weeks later. There's a picture of a trash can and some stuff inside, and this guy says, I've been clean for three days. I really believe this time that God's going to do something different. I want to thank you guys so much for, for praying for me and, and for believing for me. I really believe I'm going to be off of it. I really believe this time is going to be different. We've heard so many testimonies from Pastor Jared about how circles have made such an impact in people's lives. God is calling us to join the army. I can't imagine what you're going through, but what I can tell you is this. You need somebody who's next to you to guard you, to defend you, to be with you. I love our security team here, Robbie, Norm. They're there. They always stand next to my dad just in case somebody comes in to do something. They're ready to fight. You know, in church nowadays, you never know what can happen. And so they're there to protect him. We're so thankful for our security team, and they're always there. Come on, we need some norms in our life. We need some Robbies in our life. That, come on, just keep doing what you're doing. Go minister. Go, go be with your family. But just know I'm right here to protect you. I'm right here to be on your side. Whatever's coming at you, don't worry, because I'm there to put my hands up and to fight with you. Come on, somebody say amen. We need to join the army. We need to join the army. We need to pray first, we need to tune out the voices, and we need to join the army. The last thing that we need to do today in a spiritual battle is we need to grab a shovel and grab a sword. We need to grab a shovel and grab a sword. I want to read this scripture with you real quick. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. Grab a sword. The Bible's saying, armor yourself. Get ready for battle. We read a moment ago in Ephesians that there is a spiritual battle that's going on. And in the next verse, in Ephesians 6.13, this is what it says. Ephesians 6.13, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy and the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. We need to grab a shovel and we need to grab a sword. I had to, guys. Come on, I had to. Don't worry, it's not sharp. I'm going to protect all of you. I won't cut your head off. Thank you, David Gardner, for letting me borrow this. This is a pristine sword. Um, but when I was growing up, my parents always did this thing. Before we went to school, they would pray over me and they'd have us pray this prayer. And this was the prayer that they prayed. Um, we put on the whole armor of God. We put on the belt up and we go, truth. Yeah, Macy's shouting out. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put his shoes of the gospel of peace. Come on, like Christian kids in the back of the car. We're just like, yeah. <laughs> put on the breastplate of righteousness. Take up the shield of faith. Put on the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We need to armor ourselves, people. We're in a battle. And some of you are going, I don't really know how to armor myself, Tanner. Well, here's an idea. Maybe when you're anxious... You put on the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and you say, you know what? I can be anxious for nothing. Because in everything by prayer and supplication, 
With thanksgiving, I'm going to make my request made known to God. Maybe for you, you're scared and you're afraid and, and we're here with you, believing with you, but maybe you need to take the sword of the spirit and say, you know what? There is not a spirit of fear that I need to have, but a sound mind. Maybe for you, you, you've been just so anxious and you've been so worried all the time and you know what you can say? I know there is a peace of God that surpasses all understanding. We need to arm ourselves with the word of God. God has put us on the offensive. We're not just there protected. We are on the offensive. We've been given the sword of the spirit. What I love about the sword is, I think Nehemiah is saying this, get ready to fight. Yeah, we need to be working. Yeah, we need to be building the wall, but you need to be ready to fight. You need to be ready. The enemy is going to come against you. We're building this wall. The enemy may come. And when the trumpet sounds, we need to all get together so we can go crazy on them. I love waving this thing. You know what, what happened with the children of Israel, the children of God, when they were given the promised land? 40 years, they had just walked and they found the promised land. It was flowing with milk and honey and Chick-fil-A. We've been praying and fasting for a long time, people. Vegetables and water. Come on, we know it's all getting to us. But the promised land, the children of Israel still had to fight. There were giants in the land. There were giants in the promised land. And they had to fight for it. It wasn't just given to them. There are dreams in your life. There are God visions in your life. There are situations and you got to fight for it. God has put you on the offensive. God has given you the ability to fight for it, maybe for you. It's a wayward son that's going to come home. Maybe for you, it's restoration in your family. Maybe for you, it's a financial situation. I don't know what your situation is, but God has given us everything we need, and we need to fight for the promises of God. Sometimes we need to pick up our sword, and we need to go against the enemy and say, you know what? My family is going to be whole. My finances are going to change. My family is going to follow Christ. But what I love is, Although the sword means we need to fight, the shovel means something else. So often we pick up the sword and we put down the shovel, don't we? Because the, the sword is pretty cool. But what the shovel represents, I believe, in my heart is this. Keep working while you're waiting. Keep working while you're waiting. I know there's a fight coming. I, I know there's stuff that's happening, but keep working. Keep believing. Keep praying. God has called us to, to fight a battle, but we, we underestimate the weapon of faithfulness. We underestimate the ability that we have by coming to church every week. Maybe the key with your kids, maybe the key with your family, just keep coming to church. I know financial situations may be there but keep tithing don't give up on God God is fighting for you just keep coming God will not be mocked what a man sows a man will reap you gotta just keep coming don't give up what we love about this story is in the end Nehemiah wins the battle he's victorious and he defeats the enemy but they just kept working and I believe like he did with Nehemiah in 52 days, 
God did a quick work in his life. God can do a quick work in your life for 21 days. That God can turn your situation around. That God can come on your side. What I love is he said, just keep working and God will fight for you. If God is for us, then who can be against us? If God's on our side, then who can come up against us? I'm telling you today, whatever situation, whatever battle is coming in your life, come on, let's grab our weapon of faithfulness and come against the enemy. I don't know what your situation is, but God is fighting for you. And he believes in you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to know you. Keep praying. Don't stop praying. Don't give up. You're almost to your breakthrough. Don't give up. I believe in my heart someone needs to hear that today. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep believing. Your breakthrough's coming in the name of Jesus. In a moment, I just want us to close our eyes right now. You can close your eyes with me.